This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Multi-petaflop installations in Italy and India. And AI, best humans at reading comprehension. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research, and joining me as usual is Michael Feldman, the editor at Top500.org. How's it going, Michael? Very well, Addison. How's it going there? All right. We're doing great. And there was a lot of news this week. We're going to try to cover a couple of things, starting with some big new supercomputers, including what's now the largest commercial supercomputer that, that's known that's out there. Right. This was uh, a supercomputer installed by uh, ENI, an Italian oil and gas multinational. They deployed a supercomputer that they say tops out at 18.6 petaflops. That's a peak numbers, so the impacts could be a little less than that, but that is a, a very large system, and that outruns the, uh, I think, the current champ on the top 500 list for commercial systems. That's the Total system, which is another oil and gas computer at, the, at about 6.7, so this is quite a bit larger than that. Yeah, these oil and gas companies, they've been the trailblazers at the top in terms of scientific supercomputers. And, you know, just below the top national lab or, or academic supercomputers. And this one, I think if the top 500 list came out again right now, it would probably make it into the top 10 unless there's some other surprise out there that we don't know about. Although whether it holds up as top 10 by June remains to be seen. Yeah, in any case, it's a very large system. It'll be certainly up there in the list, uh, and assuming they will submit it, and we'll assume they, they did. They submitted their last system, although uh, their last system, which was a, a much smaller system, a 3.8 petaflop system, they did not attach their company name to, but it, it's there as well, and it's operating today as well. Now, there are a few interesting things about this. It's an HPE system that's uh, 1,600 nodes. Now, this is not an Apollo nor an Altix uh, SGI heritage system. This is uh, a ProLiant system, a ProLiant DL380 cluster with uh, dual socket Intel Skylake 24 cores and also two NVIDIA Tesla P100 GPUs per node. So not one of the, the hallmark HPC SKUs, but nevertheless a hefty node put together with EDR and Finiband by HPE. Yeah, and uh, certainly one of the larger systems out there with the, the late model GPUs. Now, and we talk about oil and gas being a, a good application area for GPUs, but as it turns out, not a lot of the bigger systems have GPUs in them, and that's just used to that's due to the amount of code that's that's legacy code for some of these uh, organizations. They're not uh, targeted to GPUs or optimized in any way, but this one has uh, has quite a few in there. Each each of those nodes, like you said, has a couple of GPUs, so we can assume they have some some use cases for those in their in their application set. Uh, any or ENI, they're an Italian company, and indeed, this supercomputer will be in Italy. It'll be in their uh, green data center in Ferrara or Borgogna, which is 60 kilometers from Milan, as you point out in your write-up on top500.org. Yeah, I mean, INI is actually a very large company. I think it has a, a cap market cap of like $55 billion. It's It's, like you said, it's based in, in Italy, but it's present in, I think, a dozen or more countries. So it's a, it's a very large 
very large multinational that has its hands in a lot of different things, but it's all in the uh, the energy business, primarily oil and gas, of course. Now, I mentioned at the start of this story that this is the largest commercial HPC system that we know about. That opens up the door for, for example, another oil and gas company could have one that it's just sure. not public about or, or doesn't want to submit to top 500 for some reason. It also excludes the hyperscale uh, infrastructures, which we don't typically talk about as supercomputers. But in theory, any of the major tier one hyperscale companies, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, could have a data center capable of topping this on LINPAC if they dedicated the entire infrastructure to it. Yeah, absolutely. And we should also keep in mind that some of the large supercomputers that are more general purpose, especially the ones in China, are used for these oil and gas simulations. I think some of the Tianha series have been used by the oil and gas companies there, and they're they're much larger than these systems. They're not much larger, but they're larger. Um, so it doesn't quite capture that as well. But as far as a purely commercial system, this is this is a real standout and, and will be so for the foreseeable future. One final note on this system, of course, it does have storage attached, and they talk about a 15-petabyte storage subsystem, but there's no further details in the announcement about that storage subsystem, categorizing it, who it's from, what model it is. All we know is 15 petabytes. Right. But uh, I feel like we got to know a little bit about the system for commercial system. They they actually provided quite a bit of detail, so we're happy about that. Now, these aren't the only petabyte systems in the news this week. We also see two new systems going into weather and climate centers in India. Yeah, these two systems were actually announced a few weeks ago by India, but they didn't tell what the systems were exactly. But uh, this week, Cray did come out and uh, admit or actually announced that these were Cray XC40 supercomputers that were going into those two uh, weather and climate centers in India. And they're large systems. One of them is uh, a four petaflop system, and the other one is a 2.8 petaflop system that it's installed at the other facility. Right. The first one is at the Indian Institute of Tropical Meteorology, IITM. That's the uh, four petaflop system. And the other at the National Center for Medium Range Weather Forecast, NCMRWF. That's the 2.8 petaflop system. Not a surprise to me that these are are Cray systems, these XC40s. Cray has been very strong in the weather segment uh, for a while now, and this is uh, just continuing that trend. Right. In fact, Cray in their press release claimed they own about 75% of that market uh, as far as with with a certain metric there. So that's not surprising. They've done very well. We've noticed over the past uh, really three or four years, ever since uh, IBM basically mothballed their blue gene uh, uh, portfolio, which was capturing some of that, some of that business, basically Cray has taken over and and just dominated it. So another two, another two big wins for Cray here, and uh, they'll, they'll push forward from there, I'm sure. Yeah, 70% is an exact number, isn't something that we can confirm as analysts, because weather in itself, or weather and climate, isn't a specific vertical market. It's an application type, and there are weather-dedicated agencies like these two in India or NOAA in the United States or ECMWF. There, there are others, but a lot of weather research also gets done by 
general national labs or right. national agencies or academic supercomputer centers. So when it gets buried in with other stuff and you can't segment it out, you can't really have a vertical market called weather. It's a horizontal application type that's done by a lot of different organizations. Also, also different military sites uh, do or military and defense sites do weather. Uh, uh, so it's, it, you just can't segment it out in a way that's easy to count. Right. I think the way Cray sort of, uh, cast that is that they were meteorological sites so from the world meteorological organizations weather forecasting sites they they think they have about three quarters of that market but yeah i mean like you said a lot of the research especially the research in this area is done on general purpose uh, supercomputers now we should say the larger system here the one at uh, at the tropical meteorology facility is is going to be doing mostly the research end of this work it's going to be doing informing some of the forecasting work but the smaller system is where it sounds like most of the operational forecasts will be uh and that's the smaller system but uh, both of them are going to be obviously used to do uh, some level of, of weather and climate research uh for for the country all right michael let's get in one more quick story before we sign off for the week but and this is a little bit different but going back over to the ai side now it turns out if if i go over to top500.org to read the news i'm not going to do quite as well reading that as artificial intelligence will yeah supposedly i mean they've uh they've, there's this test that stanford university has composed i guess it's been out for a while it's called the stanford question answering data set and it's basically uh a set of 10,000 question and answer pairs that apply to about 500 Wikipedia articles. And what the test is, they have uh, these computer networks, these computer models read these articles and then answer these, these questions to see how well they do. And humans score at a certain level. And basically now, uh, two, two applications from Microsoft and Alibaba for the first time have scored better than the human score. Not a lot better, they've just edged it out, but they've, they've reached that and exceeded it by a few uh, decimal points. Yeah, right. It's to the point where I would say rather than better than, I, it's it's more appropriate to say as good as. And again, this is a limited test as with every previous example of AI, whether it's poker or, or, uh, or go, you know, we have very controlled environments where we're measuring these things. But nevertheless, here's a reading comprehension score. And now the computer algorithms are doing as well as the humans are on question and answer on this uh, Stanford question answering data set or squad. Now they talk about, you know, the contextual knowledge that it has here in this article. For example, if you answer one question about the prime minister of Germany and then have a follow-up question where you use a pronoun in what country was she born, that it knows to look for the appositive for the, for the pronoun she in the previous question somewhere so you know that's all part of reading comprehension is is capturing that flow and connecting one thought to the next in a self-contained way right and it it seems to be a, at least caught up there as far as doing that for these size articles of course the wikipedia articles aren't huge in length but they're long enough where you can capture some of that context now what it doesn't do is accumulate context necessarily from article to article or other things it's read outside of its scope and bring that in as well. That's the, the nuance that, that people have naturally and that uh, 
natural language processing is is not nearly as good at at this stage, but it's something certainly they're going to work towards and uh, something we're going to see in the future. But this in itself is impressive. And as you might imagine, just has a lot of different applications in uh, in all sorts of spaces where you have to read sort of these short articles and glean some of the high points out of it. Uh, now it looks like a lot of this will be able to be automated. Yeah. And, you know, let's also take a look at the, the, the use in other types of applications. I mean, if if let's say for government purposes, you had downloaded a ton of uh, communications, email or other types of communications, you wanted to feed them through a database looking for meaning or patterns for security issues, you know, having reading comprehension as part of the algorithm becomes essential for that, where you're not just searching for key words, but actually reading the, the information for content and meaning becomes important. And we're not talking about uh, you know, artistic uh, license here, you know, talk about the, the use of symbolism or allegory or the poet's use of alliteration. We're not talking about that kind of reading comprehension here. We're just talking about looking at, looking for meaning in, in the words. Sure. Ben, you could see, right, you could, it's not, not hard to come up with all sorts of areas where you could just see it being applied today. I mean, just in, in online customer service or something, I mean, these things could read their own fact uh, series and then come up and answer the questions sort of in, in real time to people making uh, uh, inquiries about that who don't want to bother to read the facts or the other material around it. So it, it, I think it will be incorporated pretty quickly. And it sounds like Microsoft, one of the companies that actually did well at this, has already, has already implemented some of this technology, at least previous versions of this technology into Bing, their search engine. So uh, certainly, and Alibaba probably has the same sort of thing in mind to to come up and integrate it with some of their other capabilities and uh, create a smarter set of tools. I'll really know the computers have caught up to the humans when the computers develop the ability to cheat on the test and go back and edit the Wikipedia <laughs> article themselves after they answer the questions. Yeah, that, that would be a true feat. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael. Well, a bunch of interesting stories this week. Our listeners can go to top500.org, read all the news, and thanks for listening in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.